Axiom, the tasty truth. Elder Bryson here. I am here with Blackout Orchestra. We're here to chat music. How's it going? I'm doing pretty well. Yourself? Ah, just working for the man, fighting the power, kicking ass, taking names. You know the drill. That's that's just the way to be. <laughs> I love it. So let's uh, let's get started. Let's talk about uh, Blackout Orchestra. Tell me how this project got started. Uh, this was Blackout Orchestra started entirely by accident. Um, basically I'd, uh, I'd been in bands for years and I hadn't been doing anything for a while. And, uh, in lockdown, the first lockdown, March of last year, uh, I decided to get a new phone and it was a phone that actually, you know, I'm a Luddite, so I'd had nothing but Blackberries, but this was a newer Blackberry. Uh, so I could download a recording app and I, I figured I'd just do some down and dirty acoustic demos for some new songs and, I ended up uh, kind of falling in love with it and being able to do a lot more than I thought I could. And so uh, I started writing songs. And as I wrote songs, they became an identity formed, I think, uh, for the project, Um, delving into some stuff that I hadn't really addressed personally that came out through writing. That's rad. I don't, I haven't talked to a lot of people who have used BlackBerry as a recording device. So that's, you know, you work with what you got, right? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because it's basically, um, I use a, a, an app called BandLab and it's not dissimilar to, um, I guess, GarageBand. Uh, but instead of using the laptop, I do it on my phone, which means there's not a whole lot of memory. Um, so it requires a lot of patience and a lot of bouncing tracks down and uh yeah it's it's it has its limitations but working within those limitations is really fun actually no that's that's kind of like that that jack white philosophy right like play guitars that are hard to play and once you master them it'll feel better yeah absolutely it's and you know and the same thing working with like limited limited colors a limited palette uh and doing what you can within that forces you to be a little more creative i think Oh, I agree a hundred percent. Some of my favorite drummers play three piece cats, you know, like it's a, it's a thing. There's something about limiting your tools and working with them, uh, to define your sound as well as, uh, as make really cool shit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so when you first started, uh, recording music on your Blackberry, what's it like, what's the one thing you wish knew that, you know, now? Oh, um, good microphones are important. <laughs> um, I, uh, what took a lot of that early time was, um, I didn't have any microphones outside of what I could plug into my phone. Basically, uh, I didn't have an interface or anything. So 
I was literally holding the um, just the mouthpiece of a of a headset for the phone uh, up to the guitar or up to my mouth and trying to sing that way and uh, and get guitar sounds that way. And uh, I mean, it, it, those microphones are surprisingly powerful, so I'm it wasn't too too bad, but. Everything became a lot more streamlined once I, I just got an interface and a couple of cheap but decent microphones. It is amazing what a difference that that makes. Like, because uh, when I first started recording music too, I was like, I, I was using a, an old desktop, right? Like it was super busted, and uh, I was plugging things like straight into the sound card, right? <laughs> like my bass, <laughs> like bass into a headphone adapter into the sound card, trying to get that to work. So I yeah. can totally relate to that. Um, <laughs> so what does rock and roll mean to you? Oh, uh, everything, everything, man. Um, I cut my teeth on... on alternative rock, you know, in the late nineties, I guess, um, it, it changed my life. It really, that's such a cliche to say, but it absolutely did. Um, it changed the way I think of, uh, my emotions cause it gave me a vocabulary for them because of the, the types of lyrics that I was reading. Um, it just expressed everything. And, you know, when you're pubescent and you're going through all of these crazy life changes, um, it's something to hang on to and it gave me something to hang on to. And to some degree throughout the rest of my life, it still does. Um, yeah, it's, it's everything to me. I don't know what I would be doing if I hadn't discovered rock and roll. Right. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you'd have gotten into uh, freeform jazz or drill. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was thinking like maybe, maybe I'd become a a film director and Ah. express my pain through, you know, like clowns and red balloons and sad, you know, I'd probably still rely on whoever scored it though, to make it interesting. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it's, it's funny. Like sometimes you see on YouTube, like the videos where like people change the score, uh, from a, from a movie or like a famous scene to something just wacky and it'll just completely change the tone of the film. Oh, it's a huge difference. This is sort of like tangential, but um, so for context, my favorite TV show of all time is MASH. And, um, it's, you know, it's, it's a comedy, but it's sort of a dramedy, but it's, it aired on the comedy side. There was a laugh track and everything. And when you buy the DVD set, you have the option of turning off the laugh track. And, um, so I showed it to my partner without the laugh track and suddenly it became this really profound show for her, which... It, it is, but you, it's, it's hard to see past. So that little bit of sound, you know, that, and same with scoring, that the little bit of sound can make a huge difference in how you interpret what you're seeing and what you're feeling. Yeah, I feel like the death of the laugh track, laugh track has created like a golden age, a new golden age of television. Like, that's a thing. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. And there are still some shows that cling to it, which shocks me. Uh, yeah. I can't think of any offhand because I avoid them like the plague, but, but it's weird <laughs> that it still exists. Yeah, that is super weird, but yeah, it's 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 wild because Mash is a comedy, but you know, then you listen to the theme song and you're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a reason they didn't keep the lyrics when they aired it on TV, but, <laughs> but really, it is, and, and it's you know, it's about war and death and people trying to survive the types of situations that 
should be insurmountable to the human psyche. Um, but you know, but but it still had a laugh track. It was still funny. And every now and then, someone would slip on a banana peel or whatever, and, and you know, it got its comedy in, I guess. Right. Yeah. Exactly. No, but Mesh is brilliant. Um, but yeah. So, on a scale of one to ten, how weird are you? Ooh. I put myself at a solid 7.5. 7.5. So what's the weirdest thing you've done in quarantine when no one was looking? Oh. I mean, besides sit there and, and obsess over waveforms on my phone for 12 hours at a time. Yeah, that's um, not weird. Everyone does that. that that's true. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I haven't had a chance to get weird in quarantine. <laughs> okay, then my, my my life has become mundane. In the old days, then. <laughs> oh, weirdest thing! The weirdest. Okay, you know, I'm gonna have to level myself down to a to a three or four. Either that or like. My- <laughs> My tolerance for what's weird is is high enough that I can't I can't actually think of anything strange. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know. I used to. This is not weird per se. I think a lot of people have have done this. But when I was thirteen and really into the Cure, I uh, didn't know what eyeliner was, so I would um, cover my face raccoon style in black lipstick as opposed to eyeliner. Um, and, you know, we had bingo dabbers, so I'd dye half my hair pink and half of it green. And I don't, again, I don't think this is weird. I think that's normal teenage rebellion. But, um, but it, it was messy. Hey, that's, that's a creative way to do it, though, <laughs> to say the least. Um, but, yeah. But it gave a dramatic effect, and I'm kind of blind. I have terrible eyesight. So I need something bold otherwise I won't notice it so I think that maybe the black lipstick and just smearing that on my eyes really helped because otherwise I wouldn't have been able to see any subtle goth makeup you know yeah no that makes sense you had to go all it's all or nothing I I get it I respect that <laughs> speaking of the I, live I don't, life in high contrast it's, it's funny I don't think I've had after 40 episodes of the show I don't think I've had a single one where the cure hasn't been mentioned and I love that uh, but <laughs> But what have you been listening to lately that's been inspiring to you? Um, so lately I've been sort of veering between two extremes. Um, I pro- Closer to the beginning of lockdown, like most of the world, I fell in love with Phoebe Bridgers um, and the Punisher album, which led me into discovering a lot of... Um, what's sort of derisively called sad girl rock, but I mean, it's really good. It's, you know, Julian Baker and, and Lucy Dacus and um, things like that. So it's very sort of soft and um, emotional and playful with language. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I rediscovered nineties hip hop and particularly like really good grimy mainstream 90s hip-hop like like the like Illmatic and and um and that uh Black Star album the first one and so really I'd say if I'm listening to something it's one of those 
sad girl rock or 90s hip hop. I love it. That's a great combination. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I love Phoebe. She, uh, you know, I found her when she started in uh, Better Bolivian Community Center. And uh, it's just wild. She's She's gone on SNL now, right? And she got so much hate for that. And I don't, it, it upsets me furiously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it makes yeah. It's funny because my mom used to say the same thing about Kurt Cobain. She's like, you know, he didn't have to smash that guitar. He could have given it to a fan, and it would have made their day. And I'm like, yeah. I mean, you're not wrong, but also, it's, it's rock and roll. And I, I think there's a lot of parallels actually between Phoebe and Nirvana and, and Kurt Cobain specifically in that they're both. Um, they can express very sort of dark and sad emotions, but they also have just wickedly funny senses of humor and they never seem like they're not being real when, when you see them in interviews. Um, there's just a genuineness that even though they're musically aren't necessarily that similar, there's such a, there's a huge parallel to me that I can't really describe. Yeah. I mean, I'll, they're also both blonde. So there's that, uh, but- there is that. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, absolutely. But beyond smashing the guitar, even just people like any time, anything new, I find that you know, and anything, all the ACDC fans that that hate any music that came out after 1991, uh, regardless of how good it might be, that's that's I think the the crowd that's just going constantly on the forums to talk shit about Phoebe Bridgers, and I'm like, her music, like listen to her lyrics, they're so fucking good. Yeah, well, you know, it's like I'm guilty of that to some degree myself with some things. Like, uh, who was it? Um, Recently, I was seeing people just tearing apart uh, like Machine Gun Kelly. And I'm one of those people who I'm like, I absolutely, I don't get it. But that's because I'm old. You know, I'm I'm older anyway than there's a time when I'm sure that that would have been right up my alley if I was alive and young at that time. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I, I have no patience for the David Crosby's of the world. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, it's just funny because, like, I agree with you. Like, I would have probably been really into Machine Gun Kelly when I was 14. Like, Blink-182, Green Day. Like, that whole scene was, you know, I think that Machine Gun Kelly is doing a decent job of bringing that back for the younger audience, right? So I respect that, yeah. even if it's something that I would never listen to. But just... Every time I see Machine Gun Kelly mentioned on the internet, everyone's gonna shit on him. Like it's it just like, you know, when I when I was fourteen, we had better music than this. I'm like, no, no. There's there's a ton <laughs> of great music throughout history, but there is so much more garbage. You know, I mean, well, <laughs> and it's it's the, you know, it sometimes it takes the garbage like I. One of the things that got me into rock and roll that I can't stand now would be like Marilyn Manson. But he, it was a larger than life, you know, extreme version of whatever I felt I was going through at that time. And and so it, I related to it. And, and now I've actually been, I've been listening to a lot of Nine Inch Nails to listen to sort of the Trent Reznor's production style. But when I go back and I read some of those lyrics, I'm like, ah, oh, this is some of the like there's no subtlety in it. It's, it's just so 
overt and 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 where's the poetry but i'm like that's that's what you need when you're 13 and 14 is a lack of subtlety and i think machine gun kelly is absolutely unsubtle in just the right ways for that absolutely and trent reznor interesting though though like you listen to the newer nine inch nails stuff and it it, it, there is some subtlety in the lyrics there is it, it he's progressed as a as a poet i would say oh yeah no absolutely absolutely but uh, but you know it, it's I probably would have listened to what Trent Reznor is doing now when I was thirteen and hated it. Whereas Absolutely. Now I'm like, oh, this is this is great. This is thank you for growing. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because there's like there's like a handful of bands that have like grown with me as I've grown up, right? Like Nine Inch Nails is one of them. You know, teenage me loved had like a whole you know adult me loves La Mer, right? And then uh, yeah. you know like thrice. Teenage me loved, you know, Phoenix Ignition. Adult me loves all their like newer bluesy stuff. Like there's there are bands that do that, and I love the shit out of them for that. Yeah, I mean, and you know the the greatest example of all all time. Maybe that's unfair to say of all time to me is Radiohead. Of just being <laughs> yeah. like, I will never repeat myself but i it also doesn't feel forced it doesn't feel like i have to do something different because it's different it always feels like i have to do something different because i am not interested in the same things i was when we released our last album four years ago and you know it's it's bands that grow and change i I feel like there's a lot less room for that in the past couple of decades but when it happens it's um when when the audience grows with the artist, it's a it creates a special kind of bond. My mom talks about John Lennon and growing up with the Beatles, but then when she got married and was settling down and had kids, John and Yoko put out an album about settling down and having kids and uh, you know being sort of domestic. And she's she felt like he was checking in with her, like, "Oh, this is what I'm up to. What are you up to? How are you doing?" And and being having those artists that you grow with and that are touchstones throughout different periods of your life, where you feel like wherever you are, they're on some parallel course. Is uh, it, it's a it's a really special parasocial relationship. No, oh, you're you're a hundred percent right. Like that's and and that's that's what makes bands the bands we love that are timeless, right? Like there's so many artists that you know have that one song that we love, you know, like. Aha, take on me. Everyone loves that song. Yeah. I don't know shit about Aha, right? <laughs> <laughs> like. Yeah, and I, there's room for that too. There's, you know, just, some some artists are are full meals and full meal plans, uh, and then some artists are good confections. Right, nice little tasty snack. Uh. Exactly. <laughs> I love I, I'm not going to live off Twinkies, but every now and then I crave one. Yeah, a hundred percent. Oh, that's 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 a great analogy. That's a, that metaphor is phenomenal. Uh, so, what's been your biggest failure, and uh, what'd you learn from it? Oh, there's so many. Uh, I guess from a musical perspective, uh, the the biggest failure that I had was I I, did, I was in a band. Uh, few years ago, about like 2015 or so. Um, we were called the Dearly Bereft and um, we were gaining some traction in, in Toronto. We were in our 
you know, local newspaper and on, on a couple of radio stations and things like that. And, um, there was some conflict between a couple of the band members and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't sort of pull the trigger in terms of making a decision as to, you know, well, A, this person has to go or B, this has to change or, um, being too lax, uh, in, and too, um, it's not even easygoing. It's maybe afraid of confrontation, uh, has been something that's really, uh, just, I could have moved forward artistically, personally, and, and with these collaborators that I love to collaborate with uh, in interesting ways if I'd been more willing to deal with confrontation, I think. So that's something that I really pulled away from that situation, and I'm a, I'm a lot more willing to, to get into the dirt if needed these days. Yeah, no, that's that's the thing too. Like I, one of the most talented bands that I played with. Like the drummer was, he was so good. But every we we were always looking for a new female singer because he'd always, you know, hit on them or you know, like things would get <laughs> weird and then they'd disappear and we'd have to. And it was like two years of that before I finally was like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> Yeah, it's a very similar situation. We we had one member who was always kind of throwing tantrums, and he was he was great. And I I was always sort of excusing it, being like, oh, you know, he just he cares about what happens with the band, and that's why he's so emotionally invested and, and runs hot. But it's like he's just alienating the the other people in the band who all wanted to make music smoothly together and were having a good time otherwise, and. And not being willing to confront that was just eventually we just all parted ways. We were like, oh, we don't really want to do this. It's not fun. Yeah, which is which is sad that one person can ruin a great relationship like that. Because, you know, and that's been the case in almost all, you know, dozen bands I've been in. Like, it's always just, you know, there's one person that just, that it's not, it's never the front man either. It's always like the drummer <laughs> or the bass player. <laughs> it's a it's a strange. I mean, I'm sure the front person is always gonna down the line if given time, <laughs> and perhaps they would be the one to cause issues. Yeah, but right. but early on, it's going to be the drummer or the bass player. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, once once you get enough of a following for you know to, for it to get to their head, that's when the front person yeah. will will lose it. But. <laughs> <laughs> That's I love it. Um, so, where's the best people place for uh, for our listeners to find you online? Where's your hub? Is it uh, my my favorite place online is Instagram. Good old um, IG. Yeah, it's a, I, I, it's a strange situation. Getting I I created the Instagram for Blackout Orchestra when we were first starting starting to put out songs. And I was like, well, you have to have an Instagram. Everybody says you have to have an Instagram and a Facebook and a Twitter and a blah, blah, blah. So I have to make one. Fine. And what I didn't realize was what a community of musicians there was on Instagram. So it's not necessarily even like, you know, a big group of fans or anything, but it's like other independent musicians at your level who are all supporting each other. And um, I was, it was, it reminded me of what I always thought a local scene would be like. 
<laughs> you know, and, and never was in Toronto because we're kind of a rat race city. Um, uh, so whereas in real life, there was always competition between different bands and whatnot. Here on Instagram, the, at least the people that I've found and started talking to, it's like we it's just a lot of people that really love music and really love each other's projects because of that. No, it's, it's, it's true. And while, like, I've got six artists right now that I've got working collaborations with, like <laughs> that, that from all over one, one in Canada, one in the UK, uh, one in Los Angeles, one in, uh, New Zealand, <laughs> like it's <laughs> one in Oakland. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty nuts. And, you know, it's like they're all from different backgrounds and have different, and we all share each other's stuff and, you know, like, uh, one artist in Canada actually just did an acoustic cover of one of my songs and has been blasting it everywhere. And I'm like, that's like, that doesn't happen in your local scene. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, there's things to be said for the local scene too. Don't get me wrong, but like there's something about getting out of your tribe. I think in a, in a local scene, a lot of the time you fall into, you know, you're a, um, say a synth pop band so you fall in with the other synth pop bands and play shows that are synth pop nights and i think things like uh, connecting on on be it instagram or twitter or wherever you find other artists is you're exposed to a lot more without the context of a scene and because of that i think maybe it's you you get a little more out of your comfort zone and 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 you're more open to the music because you have no context for it in your local scene. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a good way of looking at. So we're going to go ahead and place your song siren song right now for everybody. Um, it's a badass track. I think I'm really excited to share it and we will be right back. All right.
that's that, now that I know that you recorded that on a phone. Like, um, then I remember that like the gorilla's fourth album was recorded on a first generation iPad and like, I'm like, okay, well it's, it's doable. Right. But I'm still fucking <laughs> yeah. impressed. Like, like tell, tell me about the process for, for, for this album. Like how you like, how did you do it? <laughs> well, um, good question. <laughs> Most of it, it just came from, from playing with this, this program. Um, I was, you know, I, I got an interface and I was like, well, I want to test how the bass sounds. So I'll set a BPM and just kind of fool around. And then I'd, I'd sort of like one of the bass parts. And so I'd sort of trim it down and like, well, let's add some guitar and layer this and layer that. And it came really from not trying to do any specific sound or idea but more just from playing with with what was available to see what I could make with it and uh and yeah just as I went along doing that it uh, eventually in in some of the songs I was writing ended up becoming pretty clearly related because I had gone recently through I'd recently gotten sober I had recently gone through a, a breakup and and um had a little bit of a breakdown and uh, from there, you know, I was picking myself back up, but I wasn't consciously dealing with some of the, the trauma of all that because I was in a better place. So as I was writing, it started coming together that way. So that's just sort of, I, it came out that way. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. Because like I've, I've messed around with band lab a little bit, right? Like, and it's just, as someone who's used to more traditional DAWs, like Pro Tools and Ableton, right? Like, it's just, I, I find myself like trying to do something specific and getting frustrated after 15 minutes and nope, fuck this. I'm going to, I'm going back to my <laughs> laptop. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's part of why it works so well for me is because I, I started out, I mean, I still have no idea what I'm doing, but I started out especially not knowing what I was doing. So I didn't have anything specific to do with it. So I was like, Oh, well, let's see what this MIDI drum kit sounds like. Okay. Well, let's, um, you know, I'd record a guitar and I was an acoustic guitar and I wanted to make it sound good. So I had to learn about EQ. So I was like, well, how do I, how do I do this? Let's read about it online. Let's figure that out. Let's record some acoustic guitar so that I can learn how to do this. And so those experiments then eventually turned into songs and not knowing what I was doing was a huge help in, um, in not getting frustrated. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Like that's, that's, that's one, like you, you, you've made something really cool out of, out of nothing and, and your phone and that's fucking awesome. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Every accident is a revelation, right? So (laughs) yeah, exactly. (laughs) Being able to do it that way was, was, you know, I, I had, I had nothing to lose. And, and as I learned how to do stuff a little better, I was, you know, pretty impressed with myself. I felt really good about it. So it was, a, it was just a constant um, feeding the reward center of my brain, I guess. Oh, yeah. No, like one of the coolest accidents I ever had was like accidentally turning the time knob on an analog delay uh, 
as I, as something was playing through it and hearing the the pitch shift a little bit as the time adjusted, I was like, "Wow, that's neat. That's a, that's a good sound. That's a good sound. I can I can do that again somehow. And, you know, gradually figuring that out. What if I did that to my vocals? You know, like shit like that. So I get it. Like that's it's accidents are half the fun. Yeah, exactly. So going back to your uh, lipstick eyeliner days, uh, what was the moment that you knew that you wanted to be a musician? <clears throat> so, there, I mean, there is a specific situation, um, and it was also a, a turning point in terms of my tastes. Um, so I was listening to the, the Marilyn Manson and the Nine Inch Nails, and uh, Nine Inch Nails in particular, because Trent is such a, you know, a genius with equipment and technology, it seemed impossible to, to make music like that. It just seemed, I had maybe like, you know, a Yamaha keyboard from 1989. There was no way I was going to be able to, to make that type of music. Um, and my family went on a trip to, uh, see my dad's family in St. John, New Brunswick. And my cousin had a boyfriend who was really into Nirvana and so he started, we were sitting around a campfire and he was playing Nirvana songs on an acoustic guitar. And then he started playing his own songs on the acoustic guitar. And I, I don't know why it hadn't occurred to me before. And I was like, oh, you can put like three chords together and say something over top of it. And you have written a song. How did I not know that's how that happens? <laughs> <laughs> and fortuitously, when I got home from that trip, uh, a classmate of mine in high school, he um, he had just gotten a drum kit. And so I was like, well, I have a guitar. You have a drum kit. We're a band now. <laughs> and it, it, it that's that was really the moment where it's like, oh, well, this is what I'm going to do, clearly. Yeah, no, that's that's brilliant. <laughs> like, because it's, it's wild that once you make that realization, like... Um, how many number one hits? Uh, so one of my Instagram music friends that I've made recently is uh, she's actually Scott Storch's assistant. And like she helped produce like the IAS first uh, four track Tascam demo and, and shit like that. Right. And her career has yeah. been wild. Uh, but she, she was showing me like these videos, like how Scott Storch, uh, if you're not familiar, he's like the one of the number one producers like that's like behind the scenes in the pop realm. Like you don't know his name, but you know, every song he's ever made. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. And like, he's <laughs> like most of the Britney Spears songs he wrote, like some of those really cool, like beats that are attached to those, uh, were just made on one keyboard, like one old Triton workstation from the nineties with the, the phrases <laughs> recorded in the internal memory like stock plugins and everything. Like, Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's always so funny. Like some, there's some really complex music out there that's just been written on one keyboard. Well, it's, it, it, that's kind of, I, I, I don't believe this is true of every song, but that old, you know, the campfire test that if you can play it on an acoustic guitar or you can play it on a piano and it's still a good song, then you've got a good song. Now, some songs, I mean, they do need dynamic. They would sound terrible without 
the drums kicking in at the right moment and, you know, whatever effect. And that doesn't make them a bad song necessarily. But being able to to write a song and have it work with with very little instrumentation, just with what you have at hand, uh, is a good sign. Oh, absolutely. I find that with like a lot of my songs, like I've got to change them, right? Because a lot of guitar parts are just like really like, you know, single note, like delay pieces, right? And if I tried to play that on an acoustic, it'd be it'd be wild. But if I play the piano parts on an acoustic guitar, then it then it turns into something, right? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Well, it's with this project. It's interesting because we like I I threw everything and the kitchen sink into the recordings of these that I could, uh, given you know the limited capacity of my phone, and then. When it came down to it, we were going to do a live stream, and it's just, it's just me and my fiance sitting there with the acoustic guitars and and our voices. And I was like, "Well, how do I make these songs sound good this way?" And and that was another one of those like, "Okay, so these are, these are pretty solid songs because I can actually just play them on the acoustic guitar and they sound not half bad." That's that's all you can ask for at some point, right? <laughs> So here's an important one. What's your favorite curse word? Oh. Well, it's 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 the I'm I'm gonna have to say son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. All right. Yeah. Just that's what I find myself saying, and I would I would never use the b word in any other context. But um, anytime I'm frustrated, son of a bitch. Is definitely the go-to. Yeah, that's 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 a good one. That's fair. I, I don't know. I'm a big fan of "bitch please" too. Uh, but oh, <laughs> yes. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fun. And, that works. And, that does work, and I'm a, I'm also a big fan of like the the Canadian curse words that I've recently discovered that are all based on talking shit about religion. That's that's great too. Oh, do, are we talking like the tabernacle? And- yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like there's just something that gets me inside uh, about that that just warms my warms my you know angry at God teenage heart. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <absolutely. laughs> so alternatively, uh, what's your pay- favorite piece of gear? Ooh, I'm looking around at it right now to. See if I can decide. Uh, it's definitely uh, so. I've got a, a Fender. I, I'm going to get this wrong. Um, Sonoran or Seronin Sonoran uh, acoustic guitar, and it's like it's one of their electric acoustic models. You can you can plug it in, but it works fine as just an acoustic mainly. Um, and I use it for everything. It's an ugly red color. Um, it's kind of beat up, but. Um, it's it's totally the most versatile thing that I have, and it's what I if I'm going to sit down to write a song as opposed to play with sounds, I'm sitting down with that. I love it. There's no, there's nothing like ugly beat up guitars. Like it's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I've got a lot of them. I mean, I, and I love them all. They're all my children. Don't get me wrong, but um, but that one in particular is just it sounds nice even though it's beat up and and a little bit cheap and uh and uh, you can use it for anything so i just do (laughs) 
right, it's time to put you on the spot here. So, all right, it's the, the it's the future. Um, you've made it. You and your fiance on on your private jet heading to headline Fuji Rock Festival uh, in Japan, and uh, the plane's going down. And uh, you have just enough time to grab three records to play on your coconut-powered turntable for on this island that you're going to live on for the next couple of years before you get found. What records are you grabbing? I am grabbing Kid A, Radiohead. I am grabbing... I feel like I need to qualify this one. Wild Mood Swings by The Cure. And Wild Mood Swings specifically, it's not considered necessarily their greatest album, but it has, like the title indicates, a, a series of, of moods and all of the songs are really great. So it, it, it's versatile. It'll, it'll get me through anything. <coughs> and, uh, <coughs> excuse me, um, John Lennon, Plastic Ono Band. Get that primal scream out when you need to. That's I can get behind those choices. That's you've got you've got all the all the eras in there, you know, appropriately and different moods and different feelings. So yeah, you've. <laughs> but you've cursed me. You realize I'm going to be like I'm going to be laying in bed at three o'clock in the morning tonight. I'm going to wake up from some nightmare and be like, oh, I should have said. This oh album. yeah, yeah. That's why I asked that question specifically. <laughs> For that purpose, just to just to just to frustrate people and wake and wake up in the, in the middle of the night, being like, "No, God damn it! How did I forget that?" Right? Yeah, that's because that's what I, I do. It. Well, that's what I do. So, <laughs> <laughs> if I have to do it, so do you. <laughs> fair, fair uh, enough. <laughs> spread the pain around. So, what do you like to write about lyrically? Um. I mean, I don't have a like a go-to subject matter per se. Um, definitely, I mean, the one thing that would be a theme is that it's all sort of dealing with negative or complicated emotions. Um, only because when I'm happy, I'm not, I'm not examining it. I'm just letting it be. Um, but, but there's no, yeah, no, no one actual subject matter. Um, itself. I, I can always find something that I'm upset about to write about uh, <laughs> wildly different from each other. So, you know, that's wild. That just, that just, that statement you just made me, brought me a weird realization. Like, we don't, you know, we don't analyze it and we're happy. What if we did? What if we analyzed like what's making us happy so we could try to recreate it? Well, Is I that mean, a thing? That's dumb, right? there's very few I don't know how sincerely they were examining their happiness but um, there's very few happy songs that stand the test of repeated listens I find um, most of them just become grating but but maybe they're not examining the happiness they're just expressing it maybe that's the difference interesting yeah I can I can see that that makes sense uh <laughs> Yeah, so um, this one's fun. It's time for hot takes. What's your What's your unpopular opinion? Oh, unpopular opinion. 
Um, well, this is kind of going back to my records. Um, my unpopular opinion is that most of the Beatles were better solo. Uh, I think John Lennon, Plastic Ono Band, is better than anything the Beatles ever put out as a band. I think uh, All Things Pass, George Harrison, better than anything the Beatles did together as a band. That's not saying individual songs, but if we're talking about records, the solo Beatles are better than, than the Beatles together. Hmm. Okay, that's an interest. That's that's a hot take. Um, <laughs> I, there are not a lot of people who share that opinion with uh, with you. I can't say that I disagree with you. I can't say that I agree either. Like I can find examples of how you're wrong and how you're right. So <laughs> I, th- I think it's one of those like it's a good debate class question because you can find evidence to support either argument, yeah. <laughs> and I, I fully agree and respect that. But uh, but I will die on this hill. Okay, that's that's a that's a hill to die on uh, for sure. <laughs> you know, it's 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 a lot better than some of the hills some Americans have been dying on lately. Uh, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what do you feel like a comment? Like when you tell people you're a musician, what do you think that their misconceptions about what that means are? Oh, um, that you, that either that you want to be a huge rock star and sell millions of records, um, which don't get me wrong, I wouldn't hate, but, um, it's not the goal. (laughs) And, uh, um, and that you're immature and I don't know if they're wrong, but I don't like hearing it. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, I, as someone at, at my work actually recently, emailed me because they had heard that I put out this record and they're like, Oh, I hope you make a lot of money and get to quit and travel the world. And I'm like, it'll never happen, but thank you. But I will get to sit in my bedroom and write these songs. And I'm, I'm digging that right now. And if someone threw a pile of money at me, that would be great. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think anyone throws a pile of money at you ever. It's, it's, it's as as I've been making music and trying to get it heard by more people. I've, the amount of work that goes on to, into that is staggering. Like, yeah, like well, and so it's it's the, we're in a. Bear with me here because this is a, this is going to be another hot take. <clears throat> the decline of the record industry is is terrible. It sucks that artists are not getting paid what they should and that even artists that you think of as big artists are struggling to make an income. And that's horrible uh, because artists should be paid for the work and, and all of that is perfect. Um, or all that should be, you know, reciprocal and perfect. It's not. The silver lining that I've found as someone who is a musician and has been an aspiring musician and whatnot is that if no one's making any money, then you don't have to really worry too much about selling anything. So you can be a lot more true to you, what you want to do and, and not have the stress of it. Not, and it, it takes the pressure off in, in a lot of ways that like no one, you can't expect to do anything with this. And therefore, if you can't expect to do anything with this, it's not giving up to say you're not going to, and it's not give it's, you take the um, the commercial incentive out of it regardless because even your favorite bands are making no money. Yeah, I, I've heard that, you know, like that's 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 a, a lot of musicians share that, 
that hot take as it were. Like I'm one of the few that disagree with that. I look at people like Mac DeMarco that are doing it right. And I think that that's possible for a lot of musicians if they really put the time into into it. Because Mac DeMarco is not getting radio play. He's not famous, but he owns 100% of his masters. He, he, so everything that he gets, uh, you know, beside what goes to his agent or whatever, goes to him. And uh, that's that's something that with the fall of the record industry, I think is possible for anyone. That's fair. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I'm not. I'm not going to disagree with you there. Um, but I think that that it, it is, at least as as we struggle to figure out whatever the the new paradigm will be for the record industry, um, it is kind of a a who knows situation at, at any given point, and and that's more maybe more the exception um, as opposed to a a path to follow. I could be wrong. I could, I, anyone could be wrong. Nobody knows shit at the end of the day. <laughs> could be very right. I don't know. Um, but yeah. Uh, so you've been in a few bands. Uh, what's the best show you've played, ever played, ever? Um, best show I've ever played. I think. So there's uh, that that same band, uh, the Dearly Bereft. That project was a one album project, and it was a record called Funeral Music that was a side bastard record about death because my dad had uh, just died shortly before we started writing it and, and created the whole band. In fact, um, and so we played the album release show on what would have been my dad's birthday, and all of our band members, families came. Uh, and this sounds terribly depressing, but it wasn't. It was, it was really, um, there was such a warmth and support and love in that room. Um, it was it was a lot more fun um, for that reason. It, it, it made me feel like we had made something joyful out of something that was not at all joyful. And uh, and it was transformative in that way, and I think that that's why that would be my favorite show ever that we played. Okay, yeah, no, that's that's beautiful. Actually, that's 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 a lot better than the. You know, <laughs> it's you don't usually get the there was emotional also that answer. time that we uh, had all the cocaine and strippers in the back room, but that was another show. That's yeah, that's the usual answer. That's the answer I'm used to getting. <laughs> I'm not used to the emotionally touching, pretty answer. So thank you for that. Um, <laughs> so if you were me are there any questions you would have asked yourself that I didn't uh, I, w- I wouldn't be very interested to talk to me if I were you so I mean no I, I wouldn't have even started the conversation with me if I were you <laughs> this has been great I don't know what you're talking about I've lasted at least 17 <laughs> times um, but no no you're, you're you're interesting and talented so don't don't forget that because you know it's 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 not a common quality, believe it or not. Uh, well, do I, I mean, <laughs> one way or the other, I'm I'm not about to stop. So <laughs> that, that's fair. But yeah, most most people would when you went and found a way to make an entire beautiful album on your phone, most people would have sat and watched Tiger King for the third time. So you know, <laughs> kudos to you for that, man. Uh, well. 
<laughs> well, do you I will get around to Tiger King though. I haven't seen it yet, but I will eventually because I, I need my damn time too. <laughs> yeah, right. That's that's fair. But I, I, I don't. Know, there's I, I haven't watched Tiger King yet either. It's just there's so much like thing, there's so much that's good on TV with how little time I have to watch it to you know. Like, yeah, but. I'm. I'm. I always come across <laughs> as snobby when I talk about this. But I'm like I'm a proponent of the whole like garbage in, garbage out theory. So I don't like wasting my time with things that are mediocre. Although I mean I, I mean I can't judge them until I've seen them. So if I don't see them, who am I to judge them as mediocre? But I think I'm safe in saying the Tiger King is. Um, so I just I, I choose not to not to put it into my limited brain storage that I have at this point in my life. Absolutely. Cause you're absolutely, I I'm a hundred percent on with that. Like what you take in is what you put out, right? Like who you surround yourself with is who you are. Right. And that's if you surround yourself with reality television, that's what you're going to, your life is going to become. Yeah. You like, know, or at least it'll, it'll become a part of your, uh, anything from from your the way you speak to you know just the general thoughts you're having it seeps in there it seeps in there in really insidious ways yeah absolutely and ain't nobody got time for that uh <laughs> hells yeah hells yeah <laughs> bitch please awesome well do you have any final yeah. words for our our crew uh no i just i, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk with me and i i love your music so it's really awesome that uh we got to to chat and that that you have taken an interest in mine yeah no it's it's phenomenal i'm i'm, I'm stoked that you made it so uh yeah this has been fun uh ladies and germs this has been i like your style